What's up, fight fans? Welcome to the SB Nation Combat UFC Fight Night 137 post-fight show. My name's Flying Brian J. Thank you so much for joining me. On this episode of the program, the guys from the sixth round are joining me, Eddie Mercado and the Zane Simon. What we're going to do is go over every bit Nicely of action done. from this card, starting with what we would give our post-fight rating for the action, top to bottom. We're in the main event. If you don't want spoilers, please kick it out right now. Tiago Mejeta Santos defeated Eric, your boy Anders, after the third round via TKO. So let's bring in the guys from the sixth round. Zane, what post-fight rating would you give this entire card? One to five, one to 100. How many Dolphin stickers you'd give it, whatever. Well, I mean, I guess I, I, I'll give it, how about a 10 out of 20? There we go. I mean, you know, double up on the five, or trip, quadruple up on the five-point scale. Basically, like, it started out looking like a two or a one. So, exceeding expectations, you got to kick it way up, having a violent finish at the end, having Little Nog get a shocking win, having Alex Oliveira come come out and put the screws on somebody. But it was still meaningless and it was still Fox pacing. And it's just like, it even sped up a little, like it can't, it didn't like conquer the world, you know, it was an okay card, but man, I, 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 I wouldn't, it would be hard pressed to be like, for somebody who missed it to be like, Oh no, you gotta, you gotta go back and watch Evan Dunham get retired, you know? <laughs> Oh, you're so brutal, Zane. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, like, it's just, there was some cool stuff on here. I'm not saying it was a bad card, but it's just, like, it, so much of it was not meaningful that even as a good card, like, it, it can't be a great card. Like, you can't stack up a bunch of meaningless fights and have them overperform by, like, oh, you have to watch Sam Alvey lose out on a chance to be a ranked, like, What? You know, like there's just there's a lot of this that just doesn't matter. I, I don't know. I might suggest the people to go watch Sam Alvey get knocked out by Lil Nog, but I know that Eddie Mercado always Mister Positivity. I love watching the sixth round. He's gonna he's gonna bring in a higher rating than ten out of twenty. What do you got for us, Eddie? Uh, I was gonna say ten out of fourteen because we had ten finishes and fourteen fights, yeah. but there's a draw. You got to add a point and. Lil Nog got a knockout. You got to add a point. We had a couple retire. We had Talos Latis retire on a W at a point. And um, you know what? The UFC got brownie points for shouting out uh, Ken Yamamoto. So add a hey, fucking hey. point. Perfect card. This was as perfect as this card could have been in my personal opinion. That, that is true. It is as perfect as it could have been. I will agree with Eddie on that standpoint that for a card that looked absolutely terrible on paper it absolutely was the best version of that terrible card and and charles olives went ahead and set the record for most submissions in ufc history passing hoist gracie and that's that's historic so like this doesn't have divisional divisional relevancy this card but there are monumental moments you know, yeah. retirements or milestones, seeing someone go out on a win is huge for me. You know, it should be huge for most MMA fans since we we always see our heroes get just 
demolished on their way out and it's painful and it's hard to watch. So it's nice and refreshing to see someone go out on top and in their home country. Like it was, it was cool. And it, you know, it, I might've got a little something in my eye when it happened. You know, I was really happy for Talos Latis. It was, it was very boss like for him. So I thought it was a great card. Yeah, the card way exceeded my expectations. I did a, a pre-fight show, which I hope you guys will join me on next week on the MMA Mania a Twitch channel. But I gave it a 2.3 out of 5. Um, and I always shoot really low so that the card, I can allow it to exceed my expectations. But post-fight rating, I'd give it like a 4.5 out of 5. I'm not going to go perfect like Eddie. I'm not quite that Mr. Positivity. But yeah, as you said, 10 finishes out of 14. That's huge. Uh, the main event was... Like the most heavyweight, light heavyweight fight featuring two middleweights that I could possibly imagine. There was a lot of slop going on there, but it was a lot of fun still. Um, and there were no there were no names on it. I didn't find myself ever wishing I was doing something else or like, oh my god, this card is dragging on and on and on. For Eddie, it's one thirty in the morning, and I don't yeah. know, Eddie. Did you ever get where you were like, I'm, I'm done watching this thing. I just want it to be over, please. Like, well, we oddly enough, I did, but it, it has nothing to do with the main card. I just felt like the prelims was so complete and had so much in it for me, with like the retirements and successful mm-hmm. debuts and and Oliveira with setting the record. Like, it just seemed like it perfect, a perfect arc, and just it climaxed right there at the end of the prelims. And I would have been fine. And that was like about four hours, which is a typical major league sporting event anyways. And it just kind of seemed like the right time to, to call it quits. And then the main card started and, and that fight was a draw. So that kind of like lulled me into this man. They should have probably just ended it right there, but you know, I got right back into it. So, I mean, it, th- there was the moment where I was like, man, they should end it here, but I'm, I'm not mad that, you know, I saw the rest of it. So. And, uh, Andre, Ewell, uh, Given Hennenborough the worst loss of his career probably didn't didn't help it at all after Marcos and Rodriguez went to that draw. But let's talk about the main event of the evening where Tiago Mejeta Santos defeated Eric Yaboy Anders via TKO referee stoppage at the end of the third round. Uh, Zane, what do you think should be next for Tiago Santos? Do you think he should stay in the light heavyweight division? Do you think he should move to or go back to middleweight? And also, what do you think of that referee stoppage? Oh, I mean, Tiago Santos has to stay at light heavyweight, first and foremost. I think it was Phil McKenzie who put it best a few days ago. That like it just has to be crushing to Tiago Santos to go up to middle to go up to light heavyweight. They'd be like, I'm gonna go up to light heavyweight, I'll take on some fights there. I'm gonna get to get get to crush some old dudes in some easy fights. And then he gets handed Eric Anders, who's like a young power punching middleweight, also jumping up. While at the same time, you know, watching uh, oh, Anthony, Anthony Smith. Smith, who he absolutely, like, crushed and punted around the cage, be in title contention. Like, light heavyweight is the, is the division where Anthony Smith can be an immediate title contender. Tiago Santos, that would be foolish not to stay there. Like, you know, this pro- winning this fight over Eric Anders who isn't ranked at all at light heavyweight probably makes Tiago Santos a ranked light heavyweight. Yeah, I was thinking what should be next for him um, is the winner of Misha Serkinov versus Patrick Durkin Cummins, which is happening in October. That'd be a perfect. Uh, I think both those guys are in the top 15. 
It'd be a nice transition for him. The timing of it works out really well. And if somehow Patrick Cummins wins that fight, I think that I would definitely favor Santos over him. Oh yeah, no, I would I would favor Santos over both of them right now. I mean, just for pure violence and seeing Misha Serkinov get slept a couple times and you know it, and Cummins getting absolutely crushed in almost every fight, win or lose, I would I'd pick Santos to win those fights. Honestly, I would pick Santos over anybody going up through the top uh, up until Latifi, honestly, like Manua and down. Like there's definitely a chance that Santos could knock each of them out. Mm-hmm. Easily. That's why I say like you got to make the top five at, like, at, at middleweight. And it's like Santos isn't winning any of those fights. Like he's already hit his ceiling at middleweight yeah. when Branch knocked him out. Yeah. So, so yeah, like heavyweight is the it's it's wide open. But this whole Otherwise, conversation makes me think about uh, how we want to add new weight classes, 165, potentially 195. We, we definitely don't need 195 if these 185ers no. can go up and immediately be in the top 10. But the top 15 middleweight could go up and be top 10 light heavyweight immediately. I don't think that we need that 195-pound weight class. No, I, I'm much more on, on board with the idea of making a 180, 185 to 265, just like crushing <laughs> it all into one division. And just be like, do like, you think Yul Romero couldn't possibly hang with like – you know, Mark Hunter, Alistair Overeem right now? I'm with <laughs> no, you, Zane. I favor him over <laughs> Mark Hunt and both of those guys. Exactly. That's my point. Like, you could just you could just make them w- that one huge division, and you'd probably have some amazing, weird-ass fights. I'd love to watch Yoel Romero versus Daniel Cormier. <laughs> exactly. Like, that fight would yeah. be amazing. Or Yoel versus Brock. Are you kidding me? Yeah. What would be bigger than that? That'd be, I'd love to watch Joel Romero beat Brock Lesnar. But let's reel it in and, t- and talk about uh, UFC Sao Paulo some more. The stoppage was kind of yeah. scary. And Zane and I were talking about it before you came in, Eddie. Just, I just wanted you to tell me what your thoughts, what was going through your head as Eric, your boy, Anders fell over a few times at the end of the third round. Okay, so the first time it happened, it was kind of just it – it almost looked like a playful, you know, like, man, that was a tough-ass yeah. round. Like, man, let me just sit here for a second, catch my breath, get up, and keep it going. And then he gets up, and then – well, he tries to get up, and then just kind of falls over. And I'm like, oh, wow, like, this is – this is bad. Like, he's either – he's either, like, extremely hurt from those Travis Brown elbows, or he is so gassed that he ha- he has absolutely nothing left and he has pushed his body he's exerted himself so much where he's completely exhausted and has nothing left like his body's shutting down on him yeah and then like his corner starts trying to help him up and then he falls again and i'm like oh man this is like dada 5000 falling over out there like this is this is not good so i was immediately concerned for his health and his well-being uh, i know he got up you know eventually after the fight was called and he, he like shucked off the medical attention, which I didn't like seeing. And, uh, and you know, I'm kind of curious just to hear an update on his condition because honestly, it scared the shit out of me, dude. I don't like seeing, you know, combat sports athletes collapsing. Or I don't like seeing anyone collapse. You know what I mean? Like them getting knocked out, that's one thing. But like, as, like falling apart due to exhaustion, like that's more than just, you know, getting stuck. That's like, some heart issues potentially some brain bleeding potentially like this it's it's not good a great win for santos but the second he collapsed that fight should have been stopped yeah 
Absolutely. No, I mean, I was thinking right when I was running the Twitter account right away, I was just like, they need to be getting him to an ER. Doesn't like they shouldn't be waiting for the decision. They shouldn't be checking him out in the back. They shouldn't be doing anything other than getting him into an ambulance, getting him to the hospital and checking to make sure that he's not having a brain bleed, that he's not like, you know, that his body isn't collapsing. That he isn't having like a heart attack or something. Because especially with the brain bleed thing, that's the thing that really worries me is because all the stories you hear about that, you know, it's you see somebody fall in the ring like that, somebody just getting absolutely pummeled and beaten and getting extended beating that's really terrible. And then, you know, they get to their feet, they walk out, sometimes under their own power, they'll talk to people, they'll be coherent, they'll be able to have a conversation, and then suddenly they take a turn and they're collapsing again and you know you hear them like an hour later that they're in a coma and if they're not jumping on that with something like that when you see that happen i mean the ufc has been incredibly lucky that we've never had somebody die i mean combat sports is full of people dying and And real quick zane let's not forget where Eric Anders comes from. And that is a, a real stout collegiate program, a football program where, you know, helmet to helmet contact is just part of the game. So it's not like he's coming into the sport without having already gone through some severe head trauma. Yeah. So, you know, that's definitely, you're right. That's definitely something they need to be jumping on. Like I, I, I really like. it was a cool fight. It was a great finish from Santos, but I immediately am just like, just get the dude to a hospital. The way he was falling down, the way he couldn't stand up, and the way he looked. It's not just like, oh, man, he looks a little woozy. He looks like he's still punchy, and he looks like he's on skates trying to stand back up. And he has to, like, sit on a stool, and then he's just like, oh, where am I? That's not, you know, we've seen that. And guys snap out of that, and they go on and relatively, you know, beyond the punch drunkness of a 20-year fight career or whatever, they're, they end up more or less fine out of it. But you don't see guys very often trying to get up and then when they're standing, their body just fails them and they collapse and do it multiple times. And that that really worries that, that, you know, hate seeing it. It truly was. It was terrifying. And it could probably be the front runner for the WTF of the card. So let's mm-hmm. not let's not use that as the WTF of the card. If you can think of something else that was a what the fuck moment. Before I give you the platform to you know p- push the six round post fight show, let's go over our WTF of the card. I'll start just in case you guys don't have yours yet. I'm gonna go way down to the prelims where uh, Zaleski dos Santos versus Venderami. In the first round, when Venderami. Uh, got the back of Dos Santos. He fish hooked the shit out of his eye, similar to what Lee the Leech Jing Liang did to uh, Jake mm-hmm. Matthews quite a while back. And the referee just was like, hey, no, no eye poking. You know, just hey, none of that. I mean, he fucking got like double knuckled Dos Santos's eye, and the referee didn't say anything about it. Uh, the commentators didn't hardly even mention it. Just that's mm-hmm. my what the fuck moment. I, that stuck with me throughout the entire night of night of fights here. It definitely reminded me of Lee the Leech doing that to Matthews, and we talked about that for probably an entire week after that happened. And what the fuck to fish hook and eyes, uh, Zane? Well, let's go, Eddie. You got yours ready? Yeah, I got one ready. Um, I got two. Uh, can I do two? Is that possible? Yeah, as, Is that many, a thing? as many as you'd like. <laughs> All right. Uh, first, we'll do Hector Lombard. It's round three. You're getting busted up. 
you're Hector Lombard. Are you going to go for it? Are you going to start throwing bolos? Nope. You're going to clinch. You're going to clinch up and look for a takedown when you need to probably finish the fight. What the fuck, Hector? Like, WTF. And he does that all the time, so it's not, like, out of character or anything. But still, I hate seeing it. He's on a terrible skid. He concerns me. Yeah, right. I mean, it's been since 2014, since Hector Lombard legit last won a fight. Yeah, and it's sad. But it the even bigger WTF moment, it has to be Lil Nog knocking out Sam Alvey. Like, yeah. that has to be the WTF moment. We shouldn't have let you take two, because now you took yours and mine. Aw. Same team, Zane. Same team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. You can no, elaborate on, on Lil Nog knocking out Sam Alvey, if that's your WTF. Lil Nog, that, it has to be. I mean, the dude's 5,000 years old. Everybody else is like, calling out oh this one's for my kid at home it's his birthday little nogs out there like okay my grandkids you better be in bed by now you know like i'm looking I, I, i'm glad i got this fight done in a hurry i'm gonna go get the blue plate special down at denny's and it's an amazing like it's amazing we we have to celebrate that the dude is 42 years old yeah it's also awesome. sam, sam alvey is the most I think unintentionally creeps me out fighter out there, and so I picked him to win. I thought he would win, but I, I can't help give him a game. WTF just for his gimmick. <laughs> just, well, Flat Brian, I actually I have one more that we oh have to address. God, man, this one's sweet. This, this one's sexy. So, oh. how about Hinden Barrow spending his training camp at the Fabrizio Verdum School of Running After People? Like, <laughs> oh, are you God. kidding me? Like, he comes out, and he literally, he, like, ran after you. Like, literally, like, sprinted after him and just got clocked and dropped to start the fight. Yeah, that WTF, was... TF, man. That really is the worst loss of Barrow's career. Very honor. similar to Stipe dropping Verdum with that, with that, with a jab, right? Uh, yeah. Ewell's yeah. was, like, an actual left hand, like, an, an actual power punch. But, yeah. man, yeah, like, I, I think... Connor Rebush on Twitter while I was doing the fights, he said it best. Like, Barrow just lost a fight to a dude that, at, at least at an elite level, can't wrestle or grapple. And it just, like, he looked gone. By the second round of that fight, Hanan Barrow looked absolutely done in a way, like, way beyond anything. I mean, even Brian Kelleher beating him, that made sense. Brian Heller, Kelleher being a bricked up little wrestler who puts a pace on people. Ewell, though, is kind of like this relaxed, laid back, like, let me hit you every now and then, snipe at you, striker, and Barrow was just, man, it was a terrible fight. Yeah, he was washed, and he was like, I don't need to go for takedowns. I, I'm obviously doing great on the feet. Psych. <laughs> TF Barrow. Yeah. He's washed. Yeah, and we talked yeah. about how those two fights, or Marcos versus Rodriguez, and then Uul versus Barrow, they were both kind of letdowns. I was let down by Marcos and Barrow in the same sort of way. You could see uh, some dejection in their face, and they just wouldn't do what they needed to do in order to get the victory. They just, I feel like they yeah, mentally gave Barrow up. Barrow was like a world champion who won like <laughs> yeah, yeah. 25 straight fights. Marcos has always been a win-loss, kind of like, oh, she's got all these tools, but they never quite gel right. Like, her losing that fight made sense. And Barrow, I mean, the, the, the streak of losses makes sense, but this was it, it's a really far fall from 
losing to TJ Dillashaw to now losing to Andre Ewell on this UFC Sao Paulo card. Yeah, I like to talk about what's next for fighters when they win on the main card especially, but with Ewell, I have no idea what could be next for him because I don't know how to gauge the victory over Henan Barrow because Barrow looked terrible. He hardly, yeah. you know, well, let's be honest, he didn't look UFC caliber even, and he's on yep. a, a three-fight losing streak. He's only one, he's one in five in his last six outings. Yeah, so I have no idea what's next for Andre. Yeah, and that bantamweight division is full of young killers too. So you know, Ewell as getting a big young or getting a huge name in his first win, it might just be the kind of thing where they're like, okay, well, next time you fight Peter Yan, you know, good luck. Yeah, good luck to you. But anyway, uh, I'll probably recap the rest of the card if you want to. All right, thank you for uh, having us on, Brian. We're gonna go and. uh, We'll be back with the sixth round coming at everybody on Monday morning. You can find me on Twitter in the meantime at these Zane Simon. You can find Eddie on Twitter in the meantime at the Eddie Mercado. You can find yeah. us over at bloodyelbow.com day to day. Thanks for having us on here, man, and we will see you later. Thanks, Thanks Ryan. for joining me. I look forward to doing the same thing with you for UFC 229. I love All your right, beard, man. by the way. We'll plan can on I it. say that? I really dig the beard. Yeah, it's not half as good as yours, my dude, but thank you. I disagree. I respectfully disagree. <laughs> All right. All right. Before this keeps going, let's get out of here. <laughs> Thanks, right. guys. Later. Later. All right, fight fans. I'm going to recap the rest of this action by myself with you guys as my co-host. Uh, what we were bringing the six-round post-fight show guys in for is kind of to transition into me, Flying Brian J, doing the recap shows uh, basically solo. We're going to do that first part where we talk about the main event, the post-fight rating, um, and the WTF of the card. Then we're going to move into where I will recap the rest of the night. So, uh, Simon Zane, if you want to stick around, I'm sure we could become good friends as well. But co-main event, welterweight fight between Alex Cowboy Oliveira and Carlo Pedersoli. This was insanity. It ended in just 39 seconds of the very first round. Uh, Pedersoli went for a stepping sidekick that Oliveira caught with his left hand, pulled Pedersoli in close, and then caught Pedersoli with a right hand to the temple. Uh, that put him down, and then he finished him with a little bit of ground and pound. All right, Simon Zane. Uh, I know Novus 22, you don't like the change. I know. Uh, last week, <clears throat> or not last week, for UFC 228, I did the post-fight show by myself. And uh, a lot of you guys were super upset that Eddie and Zane were not here. So we're bringing them in for that portion. And then I'm just going to come in for the rest of it. Forever fucking angry. I packed Conan, missed Cosboy. What the hell? Carlo got robbed, says Ava Ortega. That's hilarious. Uh, Anyway, what's next for Alex Oliveira after that victory over Pedersoli? What I think he should do is fight against Damian Maya. And the reason why I like that matchup really well is Maya hasn't competed for a while. He's due to return to the octagon. And Oliveira's loss to Cowboy Cerrone really sticks in my mind. Uh, Cerrone got a takedown and then jujitsu wizard him uh like passed him like a wizard got over his guard uh got him with that triangle choke i want to see if Oliveira um has improved his jujitsu defense enough 
to hang with somebody like Damian Maya. I know Damian's super old, but he is high ranking in the welterweight division. Uh, he's got really good takedowns, uh, relentless with them, and he's got good jujitsu. So I want to see if Oliveira could hang with uh, Damian Maya in that area. And it kind of makes me sad that Damian Maya would be on a three fight losing streak if he were to lose to Oliveira, which I think he would. Uh, but this is the fight game, and you can't just set these old timers like. Will Nog on the shelf um, or give them easy fights forever, even though I want them to do that with uh, with Anderson the Spider Silva. <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, I got a, I'm recovering from a cold. Let's move down to light heavyweight Antonio Hogerio Noguera. Sam Alvey, we talked about that fight already. Uh, it was one of the WTFs of the card. Sam Alvey uh, getting knocked out by the 42-year-old Noguera. I was very surprised by the outcome of this fight because Noguera, I was tweeting about it from the MMA Mania uh, Twitter account during the, during the bout, during the entire night of fights, actually. And I said, man, Hosherio looks really slow. And Sam Alvey was hitting him with a couple of left hands, and I thought it was just inevitable that Sam was going to catch him with a left and put him down. And he, Sam caught him with a pretty decent left. He got wobbled for a minute, but he regained his composure. Um, and Rogerio was hitting Alvi with uh, overhand lefts over and over and over again. Over and over and over and over. And and eventually, it hurt Alvi enough that it sent Alvi on to roller skates. He chased him down <clears throat> and uh, put him away. Uh, Sam Alvi... He protested the stoppage, but I think it was a great stoppage. As soon as Sam like lost the control of his body, dropped straight to the ground, ate a couple of more punches from Noguera, that's when you should call it over. I know that one of the punches from Noguera woke Alvi up, uh, and then Alvi went to try to wrestle Noguera, and he you know got took him down after the referee called it over. But good stoppage, I think. Save Sam Alvi from himself. Like we're talking about with Eric Anders. These guys don't need to take that much brain damage, especially someone like Eric Anders, even Sam Alvey. They are, are young in the tooth. They've got long mixed martial arts careers ahead of them. Uh, making them sustain too much damage and a loss now isn't doing them any good. Where It's not like boxing where one loss really sets you back a long way, could set you back years. Uh, in mixed martial arts, especially in the light heavyweight division, you get this one loss, Maybe not knockout loss, because then you might have to take more time off. But if you got a decision loss, you could get like three more victories that same calendar year and be right back in the mix. So I think always uh, side with stopping the fight. Not early, but on the early side rather than late. Jack Hucknail. Lil Nog won me $100. The pure legend. Me and my buddy were bouncing off the walls. That's awesome, Jack. I'm happy for you, my dude. Ava Ortega, Nog looks stiff and slow at the beginning. I, he looks stiff and slow when he's fucking walking around wearing pedestrian clothing. He's he's 42 years old. He's been doing combat sports for a really long time. He's he's old, stiff, and slow. That's just purely and simply. Uh, what's next for Antonio Rogerio Noguera? I know some of you get mad that I say their whole name every time, but in my mind... That's who they are, you know? My name, to me, I'm not just Brian, but anywho. Nikita Krilov recently lost to Jan Blahovich. Actually, last week he lost to Jan Blahovich. And 
he's going to be in a similar ranking position as Noguera, and I'd like to see them face off against each other. Everybody coming into Noguera versus Alvi thought that Noguera was going to get knocked out. If we head into Nikita Krilov versus Noguera, we're going to think the same thing, that he's going to get knocked out. But he's got some really good jujitsu. I mean, he teach him and his older brother teach jujitsu classes, right? We don't see that very often. Noguera loves to box, and we got this young up and comer that people have a lot of excitement about against Noguera, and I think that would be a fantastic matchup. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, before that, Andre Uo versus Henan Baral. Uh, Eddie Eddie Mercado did a really good job recapping that bout uh, at the very beginning. Hennen kind of ran at Uul, and I believe it was a, a left, well, I, I believe it was a left hand, uh, was it, yeah, left hand as he rushed in, that dropped Burrell, but Burrell recovered quickly, he got some takedowns, he got his jiu-jitsu working, and he clearly won the first round, but then uh, round two and three, Burrell refused to go to the, the takedown game, and the jab to left straight from Uul just peppered Barrow over and over and over and over again and Barrow looked like he was going to get finished at, at times and I can't believe there was it was a split decision I thought it was pretty clear 29-28 in favor of Ewell but whatever what's next for him Barrow dude needs to retire or maybe maybe go to Bellator I don't know but he should probably retire next for Ewell we already said who the fuck knows we don't have any idea how to gauge his performance tonight Woman's strawweight bout before that, Ronda Marcos versus Marina Rodriguez, ended in a majority draw because in the first round, Aranda got Rodriguez down with a head and arm throw early. She had three minutes and 41 seconds of top control, and she outlanded Rodriguez uh, 37 to like six uh, with strikes. And Rodriguez, once she got on the mat, she couldn't do anything in that first round. In the third round, uh, Marcos got Rodriguez down again, but she did like a, a blast body lock to inside trip takedown to, to get her to the ground. And she was passing, she was in half guard, and she was trying to pass to mount. And she couldn't get, quite get to mount, and she got kicked kind of to side control. And Rodriguez spun, got her feet in the cage, and then flipped off to get back to her feet. Once she got back to the feet, uh, teeps to the face of Marcos, the one-twos, uh, lead hand jumping in uppercuts were just all doing really well for Marina Rodriguez. I was impressed with her uh, tenacity, her durability, her lengthy striking techniques, her mobility, and her ability to uh, fend off those takedowns from Marcos and get back to her feet if she did get taken down. I don't know what's next for her, though. Um, you know, there's a lot of women in the strawweight division, and we'll have to see how it shakes out. Simon Zane says that Barrow was a walking punching bag. Yeah, he. Well, let's look at the stats, guys. We could even uh, take a peek at these old Staterinos. Um, that's weird. Actually, Hennen outlanded Andre because of the takedown. But on the feet, second round, Uul outlanded Barrow 20 to 8, and in the third round, 29 to 17. <clears throat> and as Jimmy Smith said many times in the broadcast, not every not every significant strike is created equal. And the significant strikes that Barrow hit Ewell with uh, were not nearly as significant as the ones that were coming the other direction. Huh. Oh yeah, paid programming. 
Uh, that was, oh, I was gonna do that as one of my WTFs of the card, too. Marina Rodriguez, during her bout with Marcos, kept, like, messing with the crotch of her shorts. Like, she would, like, strike, strike, and then mess with her crotch of her shorts. Strike, strike, mess with the fucking thing. And then between rounds, she's all like, and I, what the hell is going on? That's a possible WTF of the card. When I saw that dude, Ool, in interviews prior to the fight, I got the feeling he was going to win. Just happy guy trying to make a living from this shit, says Simon Zane. By the way, guys, if you want to listen to the entirety of this show on a podcast form, it is available. Uh, it's going to be available on my personal podcast feed. Search for Flyin' Brian Show on your favorite podcast hub. I won't uh, push that anymore. But let's go down to Charles Dubronx Oliveira versus Christos Giagos. Very fun fight. Uh... Oliveira was having some trouble getting Giagos down early. In the first round, he did get him down, but Giagos just stood right back to his feet, was able to turn face, get some underhooks, um, and then look at Oliveira. <coughs> Excuse me. But in the second round, and and this kind of goes back to the first round, but Oliveira got the takedown on Giagos, and he goes and he puts he goes down to all fours to try to just stand back up. And as soon as he does that, Oliveira like simultaneously snags the back and then gets the arm underneath for the rear naked, just seamless. And now, Charles Dubronx is the sole winner of the most submission victories in UFC history with 11. He was tied with Hoist Gracie at 10, but now he is the top dog with submissions. It's pretty damn incredible. He said in the post-fight interview that he wants to go back to 145 pounds, and he went to the back and got interviewed by, I think, uh, Guillerme Cruz from MMAfighting.com, and he said um, he's in. He wants to fight perhaps Renato uh, Moicano. Uh, he'd fight Jose Aldo or that Russian guy that nobody seems to want to fight, and that is Zabit Magomed Sharapov. And if that fight right there doesn't tickle your fancy, Oliveira versus Magomed Sharapov, I think you're insane. I think you're just purely insane. What's next for Oliveira? If he can make the fucking weight at 145 pounds, I say we definitely go with Dubronx versus Magomed Sharipov. Be incredible. Simon Zane, Cholo, I hope you have a mouse emoji. I'm going to put Cholo in timeout. Javelin Fang says, I always thought Baral was cloned after the original after the original died before the first TJ fight. His teeth give it away. Huh. That's kind of like a... The conspiracy theories about Eminem isn't really Eminem anymore because his cheekbones look different. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. Uh, the everything for Burrell came at, at a certain time. You know, he he started not doing well as soon as they did away with the IVs, so you couldn't couldn't IV after weigh-ins anymore. Usada came into play. He is getting older, um, and he got his, people say he got his soul taken from T.J. Dillashaw. This stream needs more John Morgan. I'd love to have John Morgan and on and talk to him. Anyway, let's move down the card some more. Uh, let's quickly do it. Francisco Masaranduba Trinaldo versus Evan Dunham. Um, Dunham was doing a good job of keeping Trinaldo at range, and he was moving laterally, and he would hit he would hit Trinaldo with like some long strikes, but he was overextending his torso a lot to reach Trinaldo. And uh, in the second round, Trinaldo timed. Uh, Dunham coming in with a rear hand uppercut with a knee perfectly placed to the liver of Dunham and sending him down to the canvas and getting the n- knockout via knee to the body at 410 of round number two. But what was beautiful about uh, 
this fight in the post fight was Trinaldo brought Dunham in and he made sure that Dunham stayed there so that he could speak to Dunham and tell him that he respects him and thanks for the fight. Um, I, you know, just showed him some love so he could say it to him but have the translator right there. And I thought that was a nice moment. And then we actually got to hear from Dunham too because this was his swan song. This was his retirement fight. Uh, and Trinaldo called out Kevin Lee. He says he thinks about Kevin Lee every single day. I don't think that's a fight that Trinaldo's going to get. Um, so maybe he should stop thinking about another man uh, all the time. Moving on down, Ryan Spann versus Luis Henrique. A decision, uh, Luis, or Luis, Luis Henrique. Uh, it wasn't a great fight, really. That was probably the low light of the night for me. Uh, Spawn took him down. Got on top of him, you know, wasn't that great. Before that, Augusto Sakai versus Chase Sherman. Uh, Sakai got the TKO victory at 403 of round number three. And I tweeted at one point that Chase Sherman's got a dynamite chin on him. But it might be a hindrance to this guy's longevity of a healthy lifestyle. Because he ate a lot, a lot of strikes. Let's just, I'm going to try to find this. Uh, man, the UFC's website's kind of shitty. Oh, there it is. So, in the third round, Augusto Sakai outlanded Chase Sherman 69-25. to And uh, the, the punches that were coming from Sakai were way more significant than the ones that Chase Sherman was throwing at him. I would like to say what's next for Augusto Sakai, but... I just I don't think that Chase Sherman's that high level of a competitor. Every single thing that Augusto Sakai threw seemed to land. He only landed at 68% of the total strikes. Uh, 54. <coughs> Excuse me. But it seemed like a higher percentage than that. Ava Ortega says Sherman's given himself some brain damage. And yeah, man, he ate a lot of strikes. I thought the fight could have stopped earlier. Uh, Sakai had... Sherman in the plum clinch was kneeing him to the face. Sherman bent over, was really getting him to the face. Uh, he was able to get up, clinch, and try to survive for a while. But I think at the end I counted uh, something like 38 unanswered strikes to the face. At the end there, the fight could have been stopped earlier. But that didn't really matter. Before that, Sergio Moraes versus Killa B. Ben Saunders. This was very interesting because Saunders, I know him as a high-level Jiu-Jitsu practitioner from 10th Planet BJJ, right? He's got that uh, rubber guard that he likes to do, throw his throw his leg over the top of the shoulder and then hold it with his hand um, so that they, they can't control their posture. But what Marais would do after he got Saunders to the ground to go around that the, the rubber guard mission control was just pass guard on the opposite side of where the mission control was and then once he got there he he looked for an arm triangle in the first round and then he went to an arm bar that almost finished the fight um at the end of the first round they were against the fence and ben saunders got saved by the bell but then sergio uh, got him in the same position and just locked in the triangle choke from the top position in the second round he got him in mount first uh and then slowly like sunk it in more and more, sunk it in more and more, and then went off to the side to, to finish it. And then in the post-fight interview, Marai said that he's got the best jiu-jitsu in the welterweight division. And so he said he's not going to call anybody out, but he, you know, he wants big fights next or something. And I'm thinking uh, Gunnar Nelson hasn't fought in a while, and I love 
Gunnar Nelson has good jujitsu. I mean, he hung in there with Damian Maya in with in the jujitsu department. I would love to see Marais and Gunnar Nelson go at it, basically in a jujitsu competition in an octagon where they can punch each other and the fights start standing. I think that sounds fantastic. Moving down, Marina Bueno Silva versus Jillian Robertson. Uh, bueno Silva was hitting Robertson with some hard right hands and elbows on on the feet. Robertson was able to get the fight to the ground. She couldn't do much with it though. And then Silva switched her hips, got that armbar, and then Robertson cried afterward. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Talos Latis got a victory over Hector Lombard before that unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. Uh, Eddie and Zane touched on that already. Hector Lombard does not have a very good gas tank, nor does he have a very good fight IQ. Talos Latis started getting. Lombard with uh, right hands or, or was it right hands let me look one second um, yeah I think so anywho yeah straight rights that landed a lot on Hector Lombard hide that person um, moving on down Elezio Zaleski Dos Santos versus Luigi uh, Vendramani Vendramini I already mentioned that Vendra Vend, Vendramini Fucking, that guy's name is tough to say so Luigi I'm going to say fish hooked Dos Santos eye in the first round when he was trying to go for a rear naked choke I was very surprised that Dos Santos was able to survive that rear naked choke attempt showed a lot of uh, grit a lot of uh, intelligence in his rear naked choke defense and that was really fun before that uh, easy DS almost had a Peruvian necktie it was awesome Luigi went for a, a takedown attempt Dos Santos switches hit backs uh, pushes hit backs really fast he sprawled uh, got the front front headlock on Luigi, and then he turned it into that Peruvian necktie. It looked pretty deep, but he couldn't snag it. Um, second round, Luigi went for an outside low kick, and no, he went for a kick, and he sprained his ankle, it looked like, and he went back to the fence. He, he went like crashing back to the fence a little bit, and as he did that, Dos Santos hit him with a flying knee to the face, uh, and then finished with some punches after that. As Luigi was backing up to the fence also, it seemed like he was... like fidgeting with his eye like something like he got poked or something but right before he twisted his own ankle uh, dos santos hit him with a like a check left as luigi was circling off to his right and then the first fight of the night livia henato souza defeated alex chambers guillotine choke at 121 fight was never close she was a huge favorite making her ufc debut uh and just tooled on alex chambers Okay, guys, now I'm going to use you as my co-host. What post-fight bonuses would you give? You can give uh, two post-fight bonuses or performance bonuses and one fight of the night, or you can give four performance bonuses. I'll start with mine, then we'll head to the Twitter machine and we'll find the real ones. Um, Fight of the night probably is going to go to uh, Tiago Santos versus Eric Anders. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh... Performances are going to go to Noguera and Alex Cowboy Oliveira. And I always give one extra one because I'm not actually giving anybody any money. And I'm going to give a post-fight bonus to... uh, You know what? I'm going to give one to Charles Oliveira. Actually, he probably deserves one the most. You break 
Hoist Gracie's record for most post-fight bonuses, or for most submission victories, excuse me, and you get a post-fight bonus. Stewie Griffin says, old man bonus for Antonio Noguera. Agreed. Simon Zane says, Alex Chambers look very good for a... Fo- oh, yeah, I see. Nog for sure. So we're giving them to Santos Anders main event fight of the night, I think, probably. Uh, and then the two Oliveras and Noguera getting post-fight bonuses. Let's check the Twitter machine, and I will see what the real post-fight bonuses were. If they are up. Bonuses. Yep. The main event got fight of the night. Knew it. And then... Performances of the night went to Charles Dubronx. Boom. And Lil Nog. So we nailed it. I would just give an extra one to the Brazilian Cowboy. Ava Ortega. Main event, fight of the night. Performances go to Bueno. Lil Nog. And Souza. I like it. Well, that brings us to the end of the show, my friends. This has been the SB Nation Combat UFC Fight Night 137 post-fight show. If you want to listen to the audio only, search for Flying Brian Show on your favorite podcast hub. You can check out all of the classic MMA Nation shows from the channel over on Bloody Elbow Presents. Or you search for MMA Nation on your favorite podcast hub. SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, yada yada. They're all there and the sixth round is going to come out on monday the vivisection is over there still um and i'm going to be here for the foreseeable future my name is flying brian j follow me on twitter at flying brian j follow me on facebook at flying brian show and i will see you on the mma mania twitch channel for a pre-fight show with zane simon and the eddie mercado before ufc 229 in two weeks enjoy the rest of your night my friends namaste